0: Uh, hey, everyone. It's Russ Thornton, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, I'm excited to be joined by Adam Cole, the couple's financial coach. So, uh, Adam, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here,
1: Russ.
0: Yeah. Why don't, uh, why don't we start, uh, Adam, by you uh, just telling folks a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So, uh, I am a couple's financial coach, which means I help couples who love each other and have often otherwise great relationships make sure that the money stuff doesn't get in the way Uh, both on the practical and tactical side of things but also very importantly on the emotional and relational side of things right because money is one of the top stressors and a top cause unfortunately of divorce Uh, and I bring a background as a certified mediator a former financial advisor and a former tax attorney and a coach and I really love getting to do this work. It makes a huge difference in my clients' lives and that lights me up. And it's an area that is really important, but tragically under discussed. So it's a privilege to be able to be one of the people moving these conversations forward and putting them into the limelight.
0: Yeah, well, I I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I think there's a lot of interesting parts to that we can definitely dig into in our conversation today. But um, you refer to yourself as a coach, but then you mentioned your background as an advisor, a tax attorney, um, a mediator, um, a, um, a professional coach. So, um, can you give us? Can you paint like a, a picture of like what an engagement looks like uh, with you and your clients? Is uh, is it uh, something that happens over? Uh, a series of sessions. Is it an ongoing thing, or is it just really dependent on the uh, on the
1: situation that the clients find themselves in? Great question. Uh, so, I'll explain my programs by sharing what I found is really important for couples to connect and get on the same page and really be achieving their financial goals together. Uh, there are basically four steps. Right. First is you have to have trust and safety around talking about money. Second is you need to understand where are you at financially right now. Third is you need to be aware of what are my top goals, values, priorities, and what's it going to take to achieve them. And then lastly, you have to take all of that and turn it into a plan. And then of course, turn that plan into real life, right? By executing it on a yearly, monthly, daily basis. Uh, So I think that all four of those parts are essential and they all tie into each other. There's not a strict order for those, right? But that's just to give people a general sense of the umbrellas that I see as important to be able to get on the same page with your partner and get financial clarity and have peace of mind around your money and be working as a team with your significant other. So my programs all cover all of that. Uh, They're all three months long because I think all of that content is really important. And the three months is enough time to dive deeply and also let life happen because that's essential, right? These things don't get shifted just by reading about them or writing down an activity or watching a video. It's in the actual doing of life and having of conversations and navigating of financial situations. Uh, And depending on which program, uh, if clients have a program that involves private coaching, then I bring to bear as much of all of that background as I can. Uh, Certainly the mediator skills play a lot because this is an uncomfortable topic for people and I help them understand what's motivating their actions, their habits, their points of view, help them understand the same thing about their partner and help them communicate in healthier, more effective ways. Uh, But certainly while I don't do financial advising for my clients, right, I'm not offering any uh, investment advice. And while I'm not doing legal work for my clients, I'm not creating any legal documents for them or advising them on law, tax or otherwise. Of course, I bring that background that lends the knowledge about that to my work, and that's, of course, a benefit to my clients because we all encounter those kinds of areas, right Nobody uh, escapes the tax man they try, but uh, they get caught eventually typically <laughs> and uh of course, communicating about money is a challenge for so many couples, so you know it's all really important and of course the financial advising piece which you can appreciate Russ of just understanding how all the different pieces fit together to make sure that a family secures today and tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm honestly fascinated by all the facets that you know go into the work you do Adam. I mean, it just seems like it's so uh it, it's so on one hand deep um, as far as like the different um, layers that I'm sure you get into with, uh, with both people individually. And then as a, as a couple, Uh, and I'm not sure there's, I'm not sure that there's just one, but if you had to characterize the biggest challenge that you, you help people address or solve through your work, what would you say that that biggest
1: challenge is? (laughs) Uh, At a broad level, it's, Getting out of our own way, right? We, everybody grows up receiving a series of messages and seeing how money's handled by their family and in their community. And then when we try to merge our lives with someone else, including our finances in some way or entirely, it just exponentially increases the complexity for us as humans. And so, you know, all of our typical desires to win arguments and be right or avoid conflict or you know to pout and get defensive and sulk when someone hurts our feelings to not tell the truth about how we're feeling to try and hide our emotions and pretend that something is okay when it's not all of those very 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 human actions and habits they show up here around money And my job is to help couples stop seeing each other as an obstacle, right? Stop seeing each other as someone to fix or break or change. And rather, how can these two people come closer together through working on their finances? How can this actually strengthen their relationship by understanding each other more deeply and seeing each other's point of view more clearly. And then also within that, there's such a beautiful part of this where you get to play to your strengths because typically, you know, there's one person who's, let's say more of a spender and one person who's more of a saver. And I'm not a huge fan of catch all terms, but just for simplicity's sake, right. They have something to teach each other. The saver teaches discipline to the spender and the spender teaches adventure and fun to the saver. And together it can be pun intended a happy marriage
0: you mentioned you know acknowledging the the messages or the stories that people develop around money um in my experience, those, those start at a very early age. I've heard them referred to as money stories and money scripts and and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it sounds like you acknowledge that in your work, but um, do you, do you really dig into the past, like from a therapeutic uh, standpoint or modality, or is it really more just like, let's acknowledge that, but then kind of look at where we are today and move forward. I mean, I guess I'm wanting to understand, like, is it, is there a, an element of therapy or is it really just more coaching and making uh, better uh, decisions based on better communi- communication going forward or, or a little bit of both?
1: Your question is, is spot on. Uh, so I am not a psychotherapist. I'm not a licensed psychotherapist or mental health counselor or social worker or anything like that, uh, but certainly the work does get deep and clients, crying, hugging, otherwise embracing, you know, tissue boxes, they are uh, frequent guests on our calls. And uh, I see that as a beautiful thing, because people get to open up in a way that they often don't, or they get to go to a place that often doesn't feel safe to go to around money related issues. Uh, So we do dive into all of that. And it's Funny you asked this question, Russ, you have really good instincts because when most financial coaches talk about money story or money scripts, they are trying to work with someone to bring awareness and then to work on healing those parts of their money story that don't serve them at this point in time, right? Maybe that involves... Uh, some affirmations or some journaling or any other kind of activity. And there's value in all of that. Uh, And there are pieces of that in my work. But what I think is the biggest value for couples in talking about their experiences with money and how money and identity intersect for them and just their general points of view about money. I think the biggest benefit is that, they understand themselves better and they understand their partners better. And especially if you're a couple where even the most basic money conversation has been uncomfortable, tense, a struggle, or even led to a fight, by sharing these answers, like how did your parents handle money growing up or how did your family handle money growing up? There's not really anything to argue about because you're just sharing your experiences with your partner. And that alone, just having a couple of conversations about that, that don't end in anxiety, discomfort, or fighting can make a unbelievable difference, right? It will lay those building blocks of that trust and safety I spoke about before. And so that is when in my work, That is the most valuable thing that I see come out of the conversation around our money stories. That said, along the way, while people are working on their awareness around their money story and then confronting all of the uncomfortable things around money for them, whether that's conversations or looking at their credit card statement or calling up their student loan servicer, while they're doing those things. Along the way, they are inevitably healing parts of themselves right? that were hurt, for lack of a better word, parts that needed healing around their relationship with money. So that happens, too. uh, And also, I think there's a huge value for couples in particular because it helps them start talking about money in a way that is... Safe and yet at the same time encourages you and your partner to open up to each other and learn to connect more deeply
0: uh, yeah hearing you describe it in in those terms it almost seems like you're introducing a new uh, a new language might be a bit much but uh, basically a new um, I guess perspective or a new angle with which to um, discuss money and and how different people see it differently, think about it differently, um, react to it or feel about it differently. So um, I suspect that not, not to oversimplify, I suspect that just creating a, a healthy environment for better communication seems to be a big, a big piece of this, certainly not all of it, but I, I think, um, you know, just based on people's unique histories or, um, you know, how they grew up with money, as you mentioned, um, I, I'm sure that, you know, uh, people that, as you said, love each other and have been together for perhaps many years might just kind of have their own different internal dialogue or language around money. I mean, would you say that's that's fair or is that a little bit too simplified?
1: Well, I definitely think it's fair. And look, no matter how wonderful a match you are for your partner or even how similar you might be, you're never going to be exactly the same person with exactly the same experiences, right? Um so, understanding your partner more deeply is, for all intents and purposes, always a good thing, right? Um, and when, especially when we're talking about some of these core foundational things that form the way we think about life and the world around us, and money is a hundred percent one of those things, right? I mean, if you think about it, Russ most of us are working 40 plus hours a week to earn money, right? So there's 48 plus hours a week that we're doing something that is money related. We're paying bills all, you know, throughout the month, we are buying things probably almost every day, if not every day. So how many, how much of your time and how many separate instances throughout your day, throughout your week, month, year, are you dealing with money? so many, right? It's a ton, hours upon hours. And therefore, it can make a huge difference if you understand your own relationship with money, if you understand your partner's relationship with money. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I think you did a really good job of summarizing it. It's basically, if I were to summarize, I'd say your money story is your, the sum of all of your experiences and the messaging you received around money, but put through the filter of you, right? How your brain interpreted all of those things. And of course, that forms a lot of your ideas around money, including how you connect with your partner or in some cases, avoid or argue with your partner when it comes to finances.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, again, just I'm, I'm fascinated by by the work you do and and that's why I was so excited to have you on on the podcast so i'm Thank I'm thankful you. that we're having this conversation um what what's a what's a favorite client success story that comes to mind for you that you could maybe tell us a little bit
1: about oh my goodness um, <laughs> well I'll tell you one and a half uh the half Perfect. is a client who the wife was the primary one pushing the husband to be more thoughtful and intentional around spending and more disciplined and just one moment in our calls where she said adam you've been able in a few weeks to get him to do what i've been trying to get him to do for 20 years right and at some point she just had this smile on her face that you know when they say a picture is worth a thousand words right this smile was everything. And so I couldn't help it. I went and took a screenshot. I told her after, I said, is that okay with you? I took a screenshot. I can get rid of it. You so no, it's fine. But it just, it's so wonderful to see, right? The impact that helping people navigate their finances like you and I do, how big a difference it can make for them. Um, and as far as the one to accompany the half, I remember a client who came to me with serious conflict around money. Um, Actually, the majority of my clients have healthy to very healthy relationships and money just happens to be an area where there's a challenge. Uh, But this couple was struggling. And I remember asking the wife, so what's going to happen in one, three, five years if things stay the same and nothing changes? And she's sitting next to her husband. We're actually on zoom talking. And for the first time ever out loud, she says, honestly, if nothing changes in a few years, when the kids are a little older, I'm probably going to walk out. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, and that was actually on a consultation call. Uh, it was, they weren't even fully clients yet. Uh, and, you know, that was obviously a heavy moment. I checked in with her. I checked in with her husband, you know, see how it felt for him to hear that, see how it felt for her to share that. And uh, within weeks, they were – it was just a whole new ball game for them. And at some point during their coaching program, the wife says to me, Adam – I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day, and I referred to my husband as my best friend. It just came out, and she's I haven't called him that in years. And that honestly is one of my absolute favorite moments ever in running this business. I mean, the same client used to get three, four hundred dollars a month in bank fees and credit card fees. And as soon as they started working with me, that went to zero, right? And they paid off $26,000 of debt while we were working together. And there were a number of other wonderful concrete outcomes, including the wife really restoring her sense of self and confidence and restarting her business. But that to me was just like the crowning moment to go from if nothing changes, I'm going to walk out to, he's my best friend again. Uh, Yeah, that's, wow. That's, I mean,
0: I'm all struck by the enormity of, of just that one example and story. I'm sure you have many more, but I mean, not only did you ultimately save them money in debt service and bank and credit card fees. But I don't think it's an understatement to say it sounds like you saved their relationship, which is, which is fantastic. I mean, what a great, what a great outcome. Um, Yeah,
1: it was incredible to be a part of that. And, you know, of course they gave 110% to the program as well. Right. You know, that's important as you know, we could sit here and, Share activities or share thoughts or give suggestions or recommendations or share research or data, right? But ultimately, whether you're working with an advisor or a coach or none of the above, it's got to be on you and by you. I mean everybody, myself, for us, the people listening. We have to get in action. We have to actually go live life, try out these things in our day to day lives and in our relationship. And that's where the magic really happens.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, clearly you get, get out of it, what you put into it. Um, And I think, uh, I think your work is, is, uh, there's maybe no better example than the work you're doing with, with couples. So um, what's, what surprised you most
1: about your work with couples, Adam? Honestly, it was something I alluded to before. I thought when I started, that my bread and butter was going to be people who were in deep, deep conflict around money. And it turns out that most of the people who have worked with me, they have a strong relationship and money is maybe the only aspect where they struggle, or it's one of a small number. Now, you know, when we get into things with money uh, oftentimes it reveals some other underlying issues like some fears or some challenges around trust or, you know, thinking about maybe one person's anxieties or both people's anxieties. So that stuff will show up as well. Right. But typically it's that the people who seem most drawn to this work are those who are like, you know what, we're pretty solid, but money, we just don't know where to start or, we're just overwhelmed or we feel anxious about it or there's a little bit of tension in the air, or maybe we fought about it. And so now we just try our best not to talk about it, but they come to this moment of realization where they're like, you know what? Something's got to give, something's got to change. I am no longer willing to put up with the status quo. And that moment is where everything has the potential to change if you step up and lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And
0: you and I are having this conversation. It's July of 2021. And, um, you know, the last 12 to 15 months have been, uh, I think a little crazy for everyone with the pandemic and, um, just all the challenges that that has introduced into people's lives. Um, Including, you know, people, you know, people working from home and, and maybe, maybe, you know, juggling childcare and, and things like that has, has that, has that really changed the, the nature of your work, uh, uh noticeably in the last year or so, or has it been, uh, has it been kind of business as usual, but there's been more interest, less interest. I'm, I'm just curious how your work, um, with couples has evolved or if it has evolved, uh, in light of the uh,
1: the COVID pandemic, great question. Um, certainly, right off the bat, there were really high unemployment levels. So that alone is going to bring up additional challenges for people who are trying to meet their financial goals. Right, um, the easiest way to save more money is to make more money and keep your expenses the same, of course, is the implied part of that. Uh, But so that alone was significant. Uh, Another thing is that for a lot of couples, if they were working from home now where maybe they weren't before, they're spending a lot more time together and while for some couples that might have strengthened their relationship, uh, for a lot of couples, that's a really significant challenge to be with someone that much. Uh, so, you know, there were little tensions there. Uh, and then certainly, and, you know, I, my clients probably don't like this, but I kind of enjoy it is more kids around, right? Uh, since kids weren't able to go to school or they were going to school remotely over Zoom and the like. Uh, that meant that I got to see a lot more kids who would pop in and (laughs) wave to me on the phone calls. And uh, I I certainly always enjoy that aspect. Um, But, you know, for my clients, it's about realizing that, you know what, that steady job I had, maybe it's not as steady as I thought. And I think it's spurred a lot of people to consider is the line of work I'm in the line of work I want to be in is the kind of company I'm working for the kind of company I want to be working for in the future. Uh, And especially when they are working with me and understanding more deeply where we are financially and how are we going to achieve the goals we have? It opens up these conversations about, Hey, you know, I really want to go back to school and get a master's degree or uh, I'm thinking about shifting to a new job or uh, perhaps even perhaps aptly for your audiences, like, do I want to retire sooner? Maybe I haven't thought about it concretely or how am I going to get to that place? Uh, Because you know what? it's a tough environment. And I realized during COVID that, you know, life can be short and I don't want to spend it working if there's a way that I don't have to. Um, and so people exploring a lot of those questions. Uh, so yeah, I am sure there's a whole host of other differences, but those are what come to mind.
0: Yeah. That's, that's been my experience, largely been my experience as well. There, I think a lot of people have, You know, despite all of the challenges and, um, you know, uh, issues with COVID itself, um, you know, some of the ramifications, whether that's work or income or family time, I I think it's really been a a catalyst for reevaluation for a lot of people to, you know, really think about what's important and how am I spending my time and who am I spending it with? And I think, you know, despite Mm -hmm. all of the negatives associated with COVID, I mean, I, I, I I would consider a lot of those, I would consider the Opportunity to pause and reflect, or to kind of uh, you know go through some self-examination as a positive um, in the midst of an otherwise you know negative situation. So um, I, yeah. I, I, it's interesting that you you shared that. I think I think. I think, in and of itself, I think that's actually pretty cool that uh, people were doing more of that. I would, I would love to see people do that more of that on an ongoing basis. It's un, it's unfortunate. Unfortunate, it took a global pandemic to, you know, stir some people to action. But um, I guess that's where we where we are right now.
1: Right, and you know, I mean, the pandemic, on the one hand, it shattered the certainty we thought we had, including with regards to our jobs and finances. And so for some people, the immediate response was to become more worried and more anxious about their financial situation. But I think after a while, some people started to level with it. Like, you know what? So if really nothing is certain, if we can't really control anything, then maybe we should just go and try and do something that lights us up and you know, brings us that fulfillment and sense of purpose, whether that is a job and education or a retirement or volunteer activities. And, you know, just let the chips fall where they may, because those chips are going to fall anyway, right? Whether it's in the form of the 2008 recession or uh, what followed September 11th in terms of the economy or COVID in terms of health in the economy, right? The chips are going to fall where they're going to fall. So, I think people realize like, Hey, maybe I want to do what I can to enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, we only get one trip around the proverbial, you know, Ferris wheel. So I, I think, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for people to, you know, to apply that thinking, um, maybe more often than generally that is, is done. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, what, um, in, in your work, Adam, what's, what's a strategy or a piece of advice that while certainly not going to be appropriate for everyone listening um, you found to be particularly effective uh, in in helping with, you know, communication, money issues uh, within, you know, relationships.
1: Yeah, there's, there's so many, but one that comes to mind is just the importance of listening and making an effort to understand your partner. And this works for most people, for most couples. Uh, however, if there's a situation where there's, uh, manipulation and financial abuse going on, you know, in that case, trying to understand spending energy, trying to understand your partner's point of view is maybe not the best piece of advice. And, you know, that's not something within the scope of my business. I don't work on cases where there's financial abuse going on. Uh, but you know if, if you're listening and you find yourself in a situation that you think might be that, first of all, I recommend doing a Google search for it. Uh, there's some wonderful data out there. And what I learned when I Googled it was that in financial abuse co-occurs in 99% Of domestic abuse situations, because money is such an important lever of control in our lives and in our relationships. Uh, So if you're struggling with that, try and find some resources and do what you can. You can always reach out to me as well. I have some connections to folks who know a bit about navigating that space. Or some of them have personally experienced it and are now financial coaches, for example. Uh, But aside from being in that kind of volatile, unhealthy situation, listening, trying to understand your partner's point of view, and not to try and figure out if you agree with them or disagree with them or if they're wrong or if they're right or if it's a good idea or a bad idea, just to understand them. I mean, that's that's really a magical thing. And we forget that. It doesn't always have to be like... You know uh, some sort of athletic competition in terms of like our conversations with our partner. It doesn't have to feel like aggressive and move quickly and figure it out and get to the end of the race like it's just an infinite process of improving ourselves and becoming closer with our partners, hopefully uh and I think if you are willing to listen to what they have to say when it comes to money. Ask them questions, you know, be curious about why they think the way they think and why they do the things they do. That will always lead to strengthening your connection and the better connection you have when it comes to money, the easier you can, the more easily you can talk about it. That's going to make it so much easier to actually talk about your financial goals, make a plan. Execute on that plan, deal with things when the plan goes awry, right? Including holding each other accountable, right? Holding each other accountable is kind of hard to do if the other person doesn't think you care about their point of view around money, right? So then they overspend, you try and address it with them, it's not likely to go well. But if you are really doing that listening curiously, it's going to create that beautiful foundation so that there is enough trust and safety to navigate things when obstacles come your way. And I think you gave the
0: example earlier in our conversation that, that maybe asking your, your partner about what money was like when they were growing up or, or in their family. I mean, is that a, is that a, a good place to start?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic place to start because that is often the locus of so much of this. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know it, even for me personally, uh, I grew up with my mother and my father and my father talked to me a lot about money related stuff from a pretty young age, but my grandfather actually had a really big influence on me. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, he said, you know, I want to teach you about money so that you don't make the same missteps that I did when I was younger. And so what that meant for me, it was two things at the same time. Number one, I learned to be really money conscious and responsible quote unquote with my money. Right. Uh, But I also learned and picked up on some of this extreme caution and that translates to anxiety uh, around money. So it's like, Oh my God, the narrative sounds something like I better not make a foolish decision with my money. Otherwise I'm stupid and I'm bad. Right. And so This happens at a young age. These were conversations well before age 10, right? And I still feel those reverberations today, right? Where my fiance is like, Oh, I need this piece of tech equipment. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'd like one too. And, you know, I just sit there thinking about it. And I haven't even opened Amazon. And she's like, Okay, I just ordered one. It'll be here in two days. What? (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> she's able to cut through and go straight to it and make it happen. For me, it's like my default is to sit there, think about it, analyze, look for a hundred deals, and only then move forward. Right, so it's not that that's a bad attribute. It's actually a wonderful attribute in certain ways. Right, but there are moments where uh, following her lead and being willing to lean more into that go for it spontaneity kind of mode can be of value. But the reason I bring that up is because it illustrates how those early conversations, how they influenced me. Right. Um, and a lot of my clients really had a level of awareness about if their family struggled with money, it's amazing how even young children, they somehow get it. Um, I don't know if it's context clues or if their parents talk about it in front of them or both, but you know, they're here, they are like little kids, four, five, six, seven years old, and they're picking up on that money's a struggle. And that affects them profoundly down the line, including when they're in their relationship or marriage. Yeah. So interesting. Um,
0: so interesting. So, you know, this is, um, women's retirement radio. So uh, uh, everything we talk about kind of revolves around retirement as it relates to women. Um, I'm curious, Adam, when you think about the word retirement, what comes to mind for you personally?
1: For me, it's about freedom of time and energy, Uh, the ability to spend it doing the things that most matter to me at that point in time, which God willing, will be spending time with my children and maybe grandchildren and uh, the rest of my family and good friends. Uh, and, of course, I have to add in because my fiance would get on my case if she listened and didn't hear me say this. Um, of course, spending time with her. But, you know, for the two of us eating delicious vegan food together, which is our uh, number one favorite pastime.
0: Yeah, well but I'm glad you uh, included the uh, fiance so we, we do not want to get don't,
1: don't want you to get in hot water um, <laughs> but you see Russ it wasn't the including her part as much cuz she knows she's part of the family when I say family it was the that we in retirement we're going to eat and cook and order all the different vegan foods that the world has to to offer beautiful beautiful yeah well, I, I I appreciate you
0: sharing that it, it's there's a a common thread um, there seems to be a common thread among my guests when they talk about retirement. It's not like uh, they don't seem to anchor to like a, a certain financial goal or number. It's really just about having uh, freedom, choice, optionality, uh, being feeling like they're more in control. And if they want to work, or if they want to volunteer, or if they want to, you know, um, cook and eat vegan food. I mean, it's, I think it's just having the the flexibility and the choice to be able to to feel like they can do what they want to do when they want to do it. So uh, I think that's I think that's awesome. Um, yep. How how would you say your work as a couple's financial coach impacts women um, as they plan plan for or transition into retirement? Um, and and I'm, I'm guessing this would clearly be in the context of a uh, a woman in a you know in a some some form of relationship. But but what kind of impact do you think your work carries through as they're maybe thinking about retirement, whether
1: that's you know five years away or 15 years away. Absolutely. Uh, So first I want to share a couple of things that I notice or that studies have borne out about women and money. And then I'll explain how it ties to my work. So the first one is the gender wage gap that still exists is still pronounced that women are paid less for the same work. And even amongst women, this, is even worse for Latino women, for black women, for indigenous and native women. And so these challenges persist. Additionally, we live still in a society that has real embedded gender norms, right? So in, at least in a heterosexual partnership, the, we often default to the woman doing more of the what I've heard called domestic and emotional labor. So domestic, like taking care of the house, taking care of the kids or pets if they are there emotional labor being like having to remember the birthdays and plan the parties and having the tough conversations with the kids or the parents, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And that kind of work is typically not compensated at least in our society and in, in here in the U.S. and in the West at large. So you have these two really important factors. Women earn less than men overall and earn less even for the same work. And they also do a lot of other things more often than men do in heterosexual partnerships. And those things they don't get paid for, right? There's not a... Uh, uh, an entry in the financial accounting spreadsheet for how much you clean the house or how many difficult conversations you had with your kid. So what that adds up to is what I would call a power dynamic. Um, When it comes to finances, on average, in a male and female relationship, there's a certain market advantage that the men have because of those things I was speaking about before. And it can create a whole lot of different feelings, right? Um, if you and your partner don't feel comfortable talking about money, don't have a shared ethos when it comes to how you handle your finances, if you're not rowing in the same direction toward a certain set of goals, right? And even if some of those goals are more for one or the other of you, but you're still both like, okay, rooting yourself on and rooting your partner on for their goals as well as your joint goals, right? If that's not happening, it can become a really treacherous space and time for women. And it's like, well, what do we do with our retirement accounts and our 401ks? How are we going to divide expenses as we transition to retirement? Right. What about if you want to purchase a home in cash as, you know, Sometimes people who are in retirement like to do that if they have the means. And how do we navigate that? What about if one of us has more cash set aside because we either kept our money separate all these years or maybe we had some joint but some separate and, you know, the higher earner was able to set aside more, right? How do we navigate all of that? Um, And even what are our expectations of each other in retirement? right? Um, Because just because we're not working a job anymore doesn't mean that our children don't still have misadventures and needs for their parents and things where we want to run to their aid, right? Whether it's a topic that we might think we know more about or for their children or whatever the case may be, right? So I think that if you have not established this level of communication clarity teamwork with your partner as you trend towards retirement the issues are going to be there at least as pronounced as they were before Um, the only thing is now you may not be making any more income or at least uh earned income in retirement now from one point of view you say okay well you know maybe that's helpful because If there was a disparity in terms of how much we earned, well, that disparity is not going to widen anymore because we're both retired. On the other hand, if you're retired and living off a different amount of assets, in part because of a pay difference, for example, it can possibly in some ways increase the tension and anxiety, right, or resentment. and When you're retired, you're probably going to want to do more activities, take more trips, go on more cruises, have more experiences, all of which cost money. And if you two don't have a good idea of how you're going to tackle those things, right, to make sure that you're both enjoying them and included as much as possible, it can get awkward. So, you know, I think this work affects people throughout the relationship and life cycle, and there are some particular nuances as you and your partner approach retirement.
0: What? Well, yeah, there's 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 so much to unpack there, but um, yeah, yeah. I, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I, in addition to the wage gap and potential power dynamics around gender norms, I mean, there's also, um, there's also the fact that statistically women live longer and um, which which could compound some of these issues um, add to that the fact that a lot of women um, either step into or are kind of fall into a caregiver role as their parents age or so uh, yeah it's just a Great points. Yeah. It it can just really turn into like a a really this kind of perfect storm of problems. So I think uh, to your point, Adam, the, the, the sooner you can get on the same page with your, with your partner, um, get to a place where you're both supportive uh, and, and kind of both reading from the same sheet music. I think, I think the better, because I think those potential problems just, you know, run the risk of compounding the, the more, the more time that they
1: go and check. So uh, they absolutely do. And yeah. there's so many aspects there, including around estate planning and uh, you know, maybe one partner wants to make sure they, let's say insure against the need for long-term care or nurse skilled nursing care. And the other person is willing to take their chances. And then if push comes to shove, try and do some quote unquote Medicaid planning. And you know, if that's hanging over your head, that can really impact your quality of life, right? And the only way to not have it hang over your head, unless you're extremely wealthy, is for you and your partner to connect and create a plan that honors each of your worries and fears and also the wants and goals you have. Yeah. Yeah, this, Adam, I
0: I feel like you and I could probably continue talking for another hour or two, but in the, uh, in the interest of of your time and that of our listeners, uh, let's, let's start to wrap things up. Um, sure. How, how just, just kind of on a personal note, how do you, and and you may, you kind of already touched on some of this perhaps, but how do you most enjoy spending your time, uh, when you've got an hour or two all to yourself, Um, uh, assuming, assuming you ever do have an hour or two
1: all to yourself? Yeah, I, you know, some of the simple things, Uh, watching a TV show that makes me think or makes me smile, going for a walk around the neighborhood. Uh, I am a first-time uncle. I have a -a one-and-a-half-year-old nephew, so taking a peek at pictures and videos of him, that always makes me feel full-hearted. So, you know, I enjoyed that. And, of course, who doesn't like a little nap or a meditation, uh, that also is a pleasure. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I meant to ask earlier, have you and your fiance set a
1: wedding date? We have not yet as of the moment of recording it is all in the works. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Nevertheless. Um, thank you.
0: Appreciate yeah. it. Um, so if there were, we've covered a lot, um, and and uh, I know I know our conversation is going to stick with me. I'll, I'll probably be thinking of this about about our conversation for at least the rest of the day, and and maybe the rest of this week. But if there were one thing that our listeners could take away from our discussion today, what would you want that one thing to be?
1: While these money related. Conversations have deep roots. Keep it simple. Share your thoughts. Give your partner space to share theirs. And then work together to find a way forward that honors each of you and the relationship that you've built. At the core, that's what this is all about.
0: Keep it simple. I don't know if there's... I don't know. If there's better universal advice out there, but I think it certainly applies here, especially when it comes to communication and and kind of trying to maybe bridge some of those communication gaps. So, uh, so yeah, thank you, thank you for that. What's um, I'm sure people are going to want to maybe reach out or or at least learn more about you. I know you've got a website and a blog and a podcast. So Adam, what's the best way that people can uh, learn more about you or reach out or, or, or just, uh, you know, dig deeper into
1: the work you're doing. First of all, I mean, thanks for the opportunity to share about this and of course for the conversation Russ Uh, and thank you to everybody who's stuck around and listened. I appreciate that. It really means a lot. And My website is couplesfinancialcoach.com and I have a really neat quiz on there that'll take you two minutes uh, called where you get to find your couple's money personality type. And that's at couplesfinancialcoach.com slash quiz. And then at couplesfinancialcoach.com slash podcast, you will find all of my podcast episodes. Uh, And the podcast is called which hopefully makes it simple to remember the couples financial coach podcast. So it's on all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify and all the listings, like I said, are up on my website as well, which is couplesfinancialcoach.com. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to share links to,
0: to all those resources in the show notes, Adam, and, and along with your uh, LinkedIn profile. So people can reach out and, and learn more. So, uh, so thank you again. This has been a lot of fun. I, I've really enjoyed our conversation and, and getting to know you and your work a little bit better. Um, and, and I'm glad we were able to share the, share this conversation with our listeners. So, so thanks again. Thank you for having me, Russ. Yeah. And for everyone out there listening, um, thanks so much for joining us. This has been another episode of Women's Retirement Radio, and we look forward to uh, joining you on our next episode. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.